don't even know why I said that, but hope you guys enjoy the game uh, today and pray that the Eagles will win. Anyway, um, we are entering a new series that I think, I, I, I just believe, is going to be foundational for this church. It's going to be one of those. Um, and it's going to run, we'll take a break right in the middle, but it's going to run right until the end of April. And here's my challenge for you. Don't miss one Sunday. And not just that, invite somebody out to hear this series. And here's why Galatians, as you'll soon see, it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, And we need to be inundated time and time again with the power, with the beauty um, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you, and that will be in here for a while. Uh, And then after that, we'll go topical for a bit and deal with a a family series that's coming up. But we are parking out, hanging out in one book. This is called Expositional Preaching. I won't be creating my own points. Um, These are points that are coming from the scriptures. And so what I want for us is to, to develop more a love and appreciation for scriptures that you can eat the word of God and be filled up by it. Amen. And so this is light on any kind of fluff or excitement. Not that that's who I am anyway. I'm really out to get you every week. <laughs> but I want to encourage you to, to, to be here, uh, to take notes, um, to use other supplement and commentaries as we're walking through this. Um, any kind of feedback you guys want to give, you can always email me at mark at gospelfellowship.net. Happy to get those, just joking, info at gospelfellowship.net. Be happy to get that feedback uh, so we can just keep going further. Amen? This first installment is called No Other Gospel. Somebody say No Other Gospel. Come on, that's weak. Say No Other Gospel. And we're going to tackle, I'll give a slight introduction. I'm just going to, I'm going to address all of chapter one today. I think going into chapter two, we'll break it up three ways. Chapter three, we'll break it up three ways and so on and so forth. But um, chapter one, we're going to, we're going to address the whole thing today by God's grace. So let's, let's read uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 9. Now I want you to read it, and I'm not blocking the screen, so you should be good. I'll start us off, and then I'll fall out, and you keep going. Amen? Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going. Next slide. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. I'm talking about three things this morning, an introduction to Galatians, an introduction to Galatians, no other gospel, and Christ changed me, or his workmanship, I'm sorry, his workmanship. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Paul's letter. Thank you that it is divinely inspired. It's your letter, and you've written it a long time ago for us to apply it today. Thank you that the scriptures are relevant. So, Father, I pray for us, your people, whether we are are people that are familiar with scriptures or if we are brand new to scriptures, God, I pray that you would use this letter to transform our hearts and mind. Would Galatians help us unlearn some things that we shouldn't have learned? and relearn the things that we need to or learn it for the first time. So, Father, we pray, would you stand in my body, think through my mind, and speak through my mouth those things you want your people to know, and we bless you for it. For you are a great God, and this is a great gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. By way of introductions, Galatians uh, was written in probably A.D. 49, Uh, It was written by the hand of Paul. It is one of the earlier letters that were written in the New Testament. Um, And Paul is a church planting missionary. God saved him and he went out to start churches. That's what he did. He's a church planting missionary. So he goes out to start churches in places people have never heard the gospel. And so he planted this church. Uh, and he left the region, and the way he would check in on the church is he couldn't just jump in a car and go to those churches all the time. So he would write letters to shepherd those early churches. Now, I want you to get a picture. Imagine us going into a region where no one has heard the gospel. You see people start coming to Christ, and these churches are formed. And I don't want you to think church like we think of church. Think of little small house churches of brand new believers 
that are in these congregations. And Paul left to go start more churches, but he's shepherding the disciples through letters. And Galatians is one of those letters. It is written in an area that is a melting pot of culture. It is much like South Florida. Where South Florida got a little bit of everybody from everywhere, so it is in Galatia. There are the Romans that are there. They are the Gentiles that are there. And the Jews are there. And these Gentiles, who he's writing to, has left their pagan religions to follow Christ. Get the picture. They were worshiping all kind of false deities, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God, it drew them to believe and put faith in Christ, and they forsook, walked away from what they have believed for all this time. This is the letter that Paul is writing. This letter also addressed social and racial divisions within the churches of Galatia. Because you don't just have Gentiles there, you have Jews there and Romans there as well. However, a group of false teachers called Judaizers. Somebody say Judaizers. These are the bad guys of the letter. Um, In Galatians, we're now insisting that these Gentiles that came to faith in Christ must start paying attention to ceremonial dietary laws, and also, if you really want to be accepted by Christ, uh, men, you must be circumcised. Now, when we hear that, we don't think much of that because that's not a relevant topic for us today. But in that time, Gentile men were not, typically were not circumcised. So when Paul says this, you're talking about a very intimate, private, painful thing to be done not to someone eight years of age like in Jewish culture, but a grown man. These Judaizers were insisting on that. They claimed that if they did not adhere to these stipulations, then they could not fully be accepted into the church of Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins writing. If you look at how Paul writes Roman or how Paul writes 1 Corinthians uh, or how Paul writes Philippians, he starts these letters with his salutations, and sometimes his salutations can take the first chapter. He's writing and he's saying, I'm so glad to hear about your, your faith or I'm so excited about your zeal. He doesn't do any of that in Galatians. He gets right to the point. This is an emotional an emergency letter that he is writing to the church at Galatia. Paul is thugged out as he's writing. He will make Scarface look like Barney and friends as he's writing this letter. This is the most gulliest you're going to see the Apostle Paul. And the reason why he's, he's so emotional about this letter is that it's dealing with the most foundational of issues. Let me say that again. The reason he's so emotional about this letter is that it is dealing with the most foundational of issues. He's not tripping on some, on some non-important stuff. This is, this is foundational to the Christian faith. So Paul is showing his, his zeal and his passion about this. You see, these false teachers are not just spitting some kind of new age stuff. They are assaulting the very 
gospel of Jesus Christ, and Paul will have none of it. Not only are they insulting the gospel, they're insulting Paul himself. They're calling into question, is Paul an authentic apostle? Could you imagine those that have done ministry and those that have discipled others? And then all of a sudden, uh, you, you, you start hearing them talk differently. You start hearing the people you're pouring into act differently, and you're wondering what's going on. And then after some time passed, you realize they, 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 they've been being discipled by someone else. And what they have been telling you or what this person has been teaching is contrary to how you've been discipling this person, and now there's this conflict. If it's a trivial matter, it's all cool. But if it's the gospel, that's a problem. And because Paul loves these people, his heart is broken. So let's look at the first verse. Paul, an apostle, not from men through or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Let's, let me give you kind of a roadmap for where we're going here. Uh, Galatians is broken down into three phases. Phase number one, verse, chapters one and two, is the defense of the gospel. Uh, the second stage, chapter three and four, is the gospel of freedom from legalism. And, God, and number three, it's, it's how do we now apply the gospel that we've just come to believe? Amen? So he wastes no time right out the gate. He gets right after it. Grace and peace. All right, let's get it. That's basically what he says. Grace and peace from God the Father and, watch this, from the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil. He gives in the, in the first sentence a gospel presentation if we can see it. Grace and peace, not works righteousness, not your goodness, that what I'm writing to you about is, is founded on grace. You know what grace is. Grace is the unmerited or unearned favor of God. It's God giving you what you don't deserve. And he says, I'll start off by saying grace in peace. And he's saying this as a segue into the whole letter. Then he says, from the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes right into the person of the gospel. The gospel, this message, and I'll probably say it hundreds of times in this series, this gospel is about Jesus and what he has done and not for you. Pause. Remember worship? This morning. Our song selections, we don't just sing songs we hear on the radio. Our song selection is sifted, and here's the question that's being asked is this song making much of Jesus or is this song making much of me? I've challenged you last week to sift through who you hear preach. This week's challenge, sift through your worship list. And I'm not telling you what to listen to. All I'm saying is this, when you're listening to music, is this song making much about Jesus? Or is it let's get back to Egypt and sit on top of the world? Or Eden, thank you. Is it making much of God or is it making much of me? Here, he's making the gospel about Jesus. Number two, or number three, he says that the Lord Jesus who gave himself, the gospel is sacrificial. What did he give himself for? He gave himself for our sins. The gospel is 
atoning. It covers our sin because of his sacrifice. And the gospel is delivering, for it delivers us from the present evil age. In the first few verses, you see a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll present it another way, and I have a slide up for it. You, you, you can look at the gospel in almost four dramas. Number one, it is God, his holiness, his righteousness. It starts with him. It is he that has created us and not we ourselves. But what happened is, is because of our rebellion through sin, humanity failed. And there is nothing you can do to be good enough to get back in your good standings with God. Yeah, there's no amount of praying or fasting that you can do to get back in your good, your, 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 your good standing with God. There's, there's nothing that you can give no matter how much money you give. There's no amount of money that you can give to get back in your good standing with God. There's no amount of church attendance. You, you can't come here enough to, to now be good enough to get back in your good standings with God. In other words, when you stand before him because we all will stand before God, what are you going to say? Will you bring up your church attendant? Would, would, would you bring up how much you served? Are you going to bring before him your giving record? Are you going to talk about all the good works you've done? Here's the essence of the gospel. Your good works aren't good enough. And some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, I know that, Pastor Ross. Stop your pride right there. Stop that. What you are doing when you say that is you are trivializing the beauty of the best message this world has ever seen with your narcissism and your pride. Oh, that we would never grow weary of hearing the truth that there's nothing my parenting can do to make me be accepted by Christ. There's nothing my husband and wife duties can do to make me accepted to Christ. Would we never grow weary of hearing this? So, Jesus has to come. And Jesus comes, and he stands in my place, and he says, you are wretched, you are broken, you are bankrupt, and you bring nothing to the table. And some would say, but Rodney, I'm a, I'm a good person. Pay my taxes. Let my neighbor borrow sugar if she acts. I'm good. People like me. Okay, whatever. Compare that goodness to the holiness of God who cannot stand the presence of any sin. Beloved, don't you know that a little sin is enough sin to condemn you of sin? Just a little would do. That little sin, if, if, if you only sin once in your life, that's enough to condemn you as a sinner before a holy and righteous God. But God knows my heart. He knows. He knows it. Jesus has to come and rescue you of your sin. You are drowning. And if he doesn't come rescue you, 
if he doesn't save you, you will perish in your sins. If he doesn't intervene through his goodness, you will die in your sins eternally. And he would be justified to send you to hell because of your sin. And that's what you deserve. But thanks be to God who sends Christ to stand in our place. That should always lead us to worship because he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And you just have to think about your life. Think about yesterday and all of your blunders and all of your mistakes. He stood in the place of that so you don't get the punishment that you deserve. So, and where, where is your boasting? How could you be callous when you hear the good news of the gospel? In other words, why aren't we all, even this morning, just weeping over what Christ has done for us? May we... May we never grow weary of of hearing that. Lastly, what's our response? How do we respond to what Christ has done? When we look at his offering, what he has done on the cross for our sins, what's our response? Two things. Repentance in faith. So when I look at him taking all of the punishment on the cross for my sins in my place, and there's nothing I can do to pay him back, I am eternally in debt with a shot credit report. And there's nothing I could do to fix my credit. There is no credit repair service that can redeem my sinful record. I just say, God, forgive me of my sins. And I put faith in the cross that your substitute that you offer that when you stand in my place I put faith in your ability to cover each and every last one of my sins that's our response well then Rodney if that's my response how do I live good question here's the answer you live your life in gratitude to what he has already done why I pray to be righteous? No, we just, we just said it. You can't. I pray in gratitude to the one that gave his all for me. And this is all throughout the scriptures, right? We see this in Romans 3, verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law or works? No, but by the law of faith. 
Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. This cross don't make sense. It don't make sense that Jesus would do everything for me. It's, it must be something that I offer to him. This, this cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. So Galatians is about reminding us again and again, all that you have, you've gotten by the grace of God through Christ and the message of the gospel. Don't forget that. Number two, no other gospel. Paul continues, he says, I am astonished. This is, this words mean shock. I am I am blown away. I am dumbfounded that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul is confused. Here he is. He's planted his church. He's, he's loved on people. He's evangelized. They received the gospel. They're growing in their faith. He goes away. And before he can figure the next letter to write, they have already started deserting him. Jesus deserting Jesus. Paul says, I'm, I'm shocked at how quickly you left. Have you ever known somebody that walked away from a relationship with Jesus? Walked away from serving him? Walked away from following him? Just walked away? Just picked up and walked away? I remember being a young Christian and hearing about preachers that would fall from grace. I'm just like, how does that work? Now that I'm a pastor, I know succinctly how that works. But just, but just wondering, how do you walk away from following Jesus? Beloved, every last person in this room is susceptible to wanting to desert the one who has called you into this mark. Don't you think you can't? In Corinthians, he says, be careful how you stand lest you fall. He says, they have quickly deserted him who called you into the grace. They, they, they're walking away from grace. They're walking away from his favor. And they are turning to not gospel plus something. Paul says, if you turn away from the gospel, that's something completely different. Not that there is another gospel. Paul is saying there is no other gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul says anything other than the gospel is no gospel at all. And these people have de de decided to desert the faith because of false teaching, and that crushes the apostle. I'm, I'm so glad that he highlights this in Galatians because for, for every pastor, for every leader, for every church member who have seen someone just stop seeking God, following God, worshiping God, it is one of the most painful uh, experiences you can have. You just see them just forsake and just walk away. It's crushing. 
Paul lets you into his world for a moment to see that. Now, thanks be to God that if your heart is still breathing or if your heart is still beating and you are still breathing, then there's time for you to come on back. Do you know there may be somebody here under the sound of my voice? You may say, Rodney, I didn't desert him, but I'm walking away. That if this auditorium was your life, you're like at that door. My prayer is that the Spirit of God, because he's the one that does that, would draw you back from your folly. Because in Galatians 3, he's going to say this, Oh, foolish Galatians! His love is immense towards you. Amen? Galatians is often viewed as a letter to deal with legalism, but it's also a letter that deals with people that are walking away from him. If you're a prodigal person, and I know what that is, because in my life at one point I was running away from him. I wanted nothing to do with him because I saw something. Some of us, we saw too much. Grew up in church all our lives, and we just saw way too much too fast, and it injured you. Many of us now are dealing with what we call, quote, unquote, church hurt, because something happened, and you had a person here, or you had a church here, and there's something that happened, and it made you, made you take steps back away from God. Some of you, in your, own, in your own inquisition about religions and world religions, you have been taken away by false doctrine and false teachers, and you've been saying, in essence, Christianity, that's too simplistic. Church folk, that's too simple. I have matured into something else. Paul would say, no, what you are believing is no good gospel at all. I love what Martin Luther says about this. He says, this rock, which is called the doctrine of justification through faith, was shaken by Satan in paradise where he persuaded our first parents, Adam and Eve, that they might by their own wisdom and power become like God. This ain't new. Ever since then, the whole world has invented innumerable religions and ways through which, without the aid of Christ, to use their works to redeem themselves from evil and sin. There's no other gospel. So we can't add to it, can't take away from it. These people are leaving the gospel to go back to dead works. I love what Tony Da Vinci says. He said, Jesus plus anything else equals nothing. Hear that this morning, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. <clears throat> Hear it again. Jesus plus anything else you try to offer to get your good standings with God, your morality, your purity, your theology, Jesus plus anything else equals nothing. It is that absolute. Paul is not mincing words here. He's saying, if you change the gospel to something else, that's no gospel at all. And if you do that, what then did you believe? So let's take a, let's take a look at some of the ways that we do this. Number one, we do this through 
What did I say, y'all? Some of you all grew up in this. In other words, this is a means of trying to get good standing with God through your moral performance or in your keeping of the law. So you were a virgin until you got married. So God has to love me. Oh, the one that wasn't a virgin and she, she was out there and he, he, he was doing it. They got to come all the way back. He got a lot. Oh, boy. When he came back, boy, he came all the way back to God. Like you had a hop and a skip. Legalism seeks to earn their salvation through good works. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with being a virgin. Please don't misunderstand me. Praise God. Keep yourself. Keep, keep, keep yourself. Singles. And if you didn't, start today. Hey, today's a new day. It's a great day. But legalism, you can't add legalism to the cross and call it Christianity. Once you add legalism to the cross, it's not the gospel anymore. Now, here's, here's the thing I want you to get. If legalism and the cross is not the gospel, but that's how you grew up, here's my question then what did you believe? If I grew up and all I knew all my life is because of my culture, I go to church on Sunday. I don't even know why I go. I just know I've been going since I was a baby, so every Sunday I get up and go to church. And so I'm good with God. If you believe that, you didn't believe the gospel, you believe something else. Let me pause here and say this. Um, I grew up, In a legalistic, listen, on first Sunday, if the women didn't wear white, what? You roll up in a red dress you want to. Y'all know nothing about this. The mothers would come get you. I'm just going to go sit down. No, you're not. The saints would come get you and put you in the back, and they got a white sheet for everybody that tried to stunt on first Sunday. See, y'all laughing. I'm dead serious. And you would just sit with the white sheet. (laughs) Y'all laughing. I'm serious. Some of y'all know about that. But if that's what you believe, you didn't believe the gospel. I was telling my wife, I'm, I'm, I'm studying and I'm crying and I'm just going off in the spirit. And I'm just like, babe, don't you remember when I went to Knox Theological Seminary, first seminary I went to? And Dr. D. James Kennedy at, at the time was teaching evangelism explosion. And I've come through a very re- religious, Pentecostal, uh, spirit-filled experience. And I praise God for my roots. I thank Jesus for where I come from. Amen, somebody. I got to know how to go sometimes. Anyway, um, but I remember him teaching is by grace alone. I'm like, get out of here, dude. You tripping. Faith alone. Faith alone better get some works in there. You better get some, some, some holiness in there. I don't hear no holiness, doc. I don't know what you, and you a doctor? I don't know what you preaching. Jesus did it all. Did it all, plus my works, plus my holy life. I'm purified. I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm cle- When I understood 
Rodney, there's nothing you can do to earn your favor with him. My thoughts were, nothing. And it's like scales fell from my eyes. I was preaching at, at FAU at the time. Just gotten married. Just Jordan was a baby. Some, some 11 years ago this happened. And I walked out that room thinking, I don't know what happened, but I feel like, like I just got saved. Beloved, if you believe that the cross needs your good works, what did you believe? Let's keep going. Let's keep working. Uh, some of us say, no, it's our achievement. It is the cross plus, you know, that slide is messing up this thing that I had. Everybody worked so hard to do. Y'all move? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but um, it's, 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 it's the cross plus I'm, a, I'm really smart. Look at my education. Look at my money. Look, at, look how cute my family is. Oh, I got a cute family. Look at that. Uh, see, so, so now I'm adding my achievements to the cross. Or, this is a good one, y'all. I'm adding my spiritual gifts to the cross. Uh, yeah, some of y'all grew up, if you ain't speaking tongues, you unsaved. What? If you couldn't prophesy, <laughs> if you, all of that. You had no discernment, no, no, no discernment upon you. You could, so you added your spiritual, huh, your spiritual gifts to the cross. If that's what you grew up on, what the devil did you believe? I'm, 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 I know I'm in it. I'm all the way in it. Don't worry. We're gonna, by God's grace, we're gonna get there. Number four. What is this? Okay, he took it off because I said that. Okay, now I got to read formalism. Um, this is that idea I talked about earlier. You grew up just doing the right stuff. It's form and fashion. Some of y'all, y'all do stuff good because it's your culture. It's not Christ. Some of y'all say, well, man, I, I am not having sex before I got married. That's not for Christ. That's because your parents would have killed you. <laughs> it's, it's your form. I'm holy. No, you're fearful. That's form. I added down here as an addendum, good theology. Because once we start getting exposed to some good theology, oh, now, <laughs> y'all know what soteriology is. Oh, my goodness. Like, I can't even walk with y'all, you know. Who doesn't know what soteriology is? Like, what church you go to? Ugh. You've added your good theology. And you think fundamentally, you'll never say this. You'll never say this but you think you're accepted by God because of what you know? Got to keep going. Next, mysticism. This is, this is the person that says, ooh, I got to feel him. I'm, 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 I'm really not, okay, I'm trying to be funny a little bit, but do you know people that your whole Christian experience is based on how you feel? Oh, I, I can. So everything is that you felt him, but many times in the Christian faith, I don't feel anything. And I'm a feeler. I am a feeler. There are many times I don't feel anything. If you grew up thinking my walk with Christ is when I feel him or I feel his spirit or I feel shame so he doesn't love me. 
This idea is just rooted in this, 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 this idea of mysticism. I wrote this down. Reduce the gospel to dynamic, emotional, and spiritual experiences. And so when you come to church, if it's not spiritual, if it's not high, whoo, whoo, we went high today. You say, one, one mustard church today. Even though the gospel was preached, Christ was exalted, but I didn't feel it. If that's what you believe, you did not believe the gospel. If you believe activism, in other words, uh, because uh, this, is, this is the social justice movement, this is this is idea of, of I have to be active in my faith. Listen, if you're not out there and being active in your faith, man, you ain't no Christian. If you're not out there tonight feeding the hungry, if you ain't doing that, man, you ain't no real Christian. If you're not clothing the naked, if you're not fighting against social injustice, you ain't no Christian. You're a little baby Christian or something, or you're less than. Like you got a ladder to put folk on? If you got the ladder, where'd you get it from? And how you holding it up? You ain't got no ladder to put people in categories. The ladder was abolished with the cross. Lastly, socialism. Uh, this is also, this, this, I, I got this from um, Paul Tripp's book, How People Change. Points out these, these terms. Socialism is, the Christians who fall into socialism might be disillusioned in his faith or her faith, or even stop attending church altogether. For this person, the grace of friendship replaces Christ as the thing that gives them identity, purpose, and hope. The reason I want to slow down here is because in a church plant, this is critical to identify. When we started GF, we were spending hours and hours and hours together. Folk could have lived in my house. They could have just brought a bag and put it in the corner because they're going to be there tomorrow. And because we're on mission together, these, these, these friendships are built. But as the church grows, those friendships wane. And if you have this, this socialism tied to the cross, when me and you are not as close as we once were, you're going to associate that with you being far from God. Or worst off, me being far from God. In other words, you can't tie socialism or friendship or relationships with people to the cross or that's no gospel at all. Beloved, what am I saying? Not much. What is Paul saying? I'll tell you. If you believed another way, that was not the gospel. All right, Rodney, so what? All right, fine, whatever. That's not the gospel. Big deal. Um, what'd that mean? Okay, well, let's see. Um, look what Paul says in verse 8. Look what Paul says in verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be a curse. Paul. Gospel Globe Trier. Accursed? 
we got the gospel wrong. We got to be a curse. Paul acts as if y'all ain't hear me, though. It's in verse 9. Read the Bible. He's like, y'all ain't hear me. He run it back. He say, and as I said before, so I said again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you've received, let him be accursed. Paul doesn't just address gullible Christians that have believed a false gospel. Paul then addressed false teachers who are teaching a false gospel. So woe to us that teach. That's why you can't just sit under anyone's teaching or anyone's podcast or anyone's YouTube video. Get some other stuff wrong. Get spiritual gifts wrong. Get activism wrong. Get rules you got to follow wrong. Don't you get wrong the gospel. And don't you add one thing to it. I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Paul says, um, he has to address these Judaizers. Okay, they try me. They tested my apostleship. They don't even know who I'd be. Um, they question, am I a real apostle? Then he got to deal with the Galatians. Okay, these these my sons and daughters in the faith, though, and they being deceived, and I got to write this letter, I got to talk to them, I'm trying to get them back on the right track. Okay, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? How am I, okay, I'll, I'll tell my testimony. You see, in this testimony, uh, Paul does two things. Number one, he, he talks about his conversion and how he got saved, and in doing so, he helps them to understand, I didn't get saved because I was looking for God. I was on my way to kill Christians. Read Acts chapter 9. Paul was on his way to kill Christians, wasn't looking for God, wasn't seeking God, wasn't praying to God. Let me pause and say there, if there is somebody that you are trusting God to save and it don't look like they following God and seeking God and running hard after God, don't worry too much because God's able to come get them even when they're not looking for him. As a matter of fact, you weren't looking for him either. He came and found you. He wasn't lost trying to find where he was. He came and found you right in the midst of your stuff. And your stuff didn't keep him from you. He came and rescued you. That's what Paul is saying. Listen, I was on my way to persecuting Christians. Then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And he knew my name. Paul, Paul, why do you kick against the pricks? He, he knew where I was and he knew where I was going. And he knew what I did in my past. And he still called me by name. In other words, he still wants me. Somebody here this morning, maybe you disqualified yourself. Here's good news. He still wants you. Paul says, yo, this gospel is so amazing. I'll use it to defend my apostleship and I'll use it to convince the Galatians church that the gospel is enough. Nobody thought Paul could be saved. Nobody was like, boy, Paul, don't worry. Y'all just keep praying for Paul. They wouldn't even pray. Listen, if y'all were trying to kill me, I wouldn't pray for you. <laughs> trying to come to my house, seeing they could break in my house to kill me. I'm not praying. I'm just being honest. I ain't there yet. I'm not praying for you. And that's where the church was. So when Paul gets saved, they're like, who got saved? Paul. Paul who? Paul that was trying to kill us. The Paul that was trying to kill us? Really? No, that's, 
Paul says it in the text. He says, when I showed up, they didn't even recognize me. They're like, it looks like Paul, but that can't be Paul among us. Don't you know God will do some stuff that dumbfounds you? Don't, God, don't you know God will use the person that you never thought could do it, and God will anoint them to do that work? The good news of the gospel is not that, not that Paul came to God. No, God came to Paul, and he knew him, and he saved him, and he transformed him, and he gave him his apostleship. This is what Paul is trying to convince them. He's trying to convince them, I am a true apostle. In other words, you can believe Romans, you can believe uh, Galatians, and you can uh, believe Philippians because I'm a true apostle. God gave me this message. I received it. I wasn't taught by man. I was taught by him. 